Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 422. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hello. How's it going? It's going all right. How's it going with you? Uh, I'm a little tired. I literally, like 30 minutes before sitting down to record this, I got back from vacation and it's been a long couple days of travel. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been very tiring, but I'm glad to be home. And hopefully I'll be able to just relax for the rest of the day and recuperate. But I had a good vacation, so all good there. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the indie horror film Hellbender, which is currently making the rounds in multiple film festivals. I believe it's playing Fantasia, Fantastic Fest, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's on Nightstream, because they, they, re- they just announced the Nightstream lineup. And I'm not sure if it's included in that. And then Grimfest, I'm not sure if it's on that either. But I know that it's like really, you know, uh, pretty prevalent. Yeah. Also be... I, I, Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's the reason we picked this one. Or at least I, I was more on it, you mm-hmm. know. Because mm-hmm. it was everywhere. It's everywhere. It is. Yep. It's a very popular festival release. Uh, we'll also be going over some of what we've been watching, including some of the stuff that I've been checking out at Fantastic Fest this year. And we'll also be going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. With that, I believe that we can jump into our Hellbender review. Uh, now, this is directed by John Adams, Zelda Adams, and Toby Poser. I have a synopsis here. A lonely teen discovers her family's ties to witchcraft. Now, uh, if you think that that's interesting that there's three three directors here, there's also three writers. It's a family-made film. I almost said it's a family film. It's not a family film, but it's a film made by a family. So you mm-hmm. have Zelda Adams is the daughter of Toby Poser and John Adams and Lulu Adams their other daughter is also in this. So it's a whole family business really, which is cool. I think that that's a really cool, I think it's a really cool thing that they can, you know, work on these movies together. If you saw their, their last movie was called the deeper you dig, which came out a couple years ago. And I really, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed that one. Really. It was like a lo-fi thriller but it had some really cool ideas in it and uh yeah you can see that on i believe arrow that's on the arrow streaming service i know that because that's where also i watched it shutter is it on shutter and amazon okay. prime and most importantly to be of course of course uh so yeah you, I, I do recommend checking out the deeper you dig now hellbender is a little bit more ambitious like they definitely are trying to make you know, bigger, bigger scale projects. We'll start with you, Kevin. Uh, what were your initial impressions of Hellbender? Well, I, I did not see their previous film, so I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I, I did know about them because of you talking about, you know, their previous film. Um, I was kind of hooked on what this is which is kind of like a coming of age tale type thing, but with witchcraft, which isn't an interesting enough idea in and of itself. But I was really surprised, um, A, 
how ambitious this is and how good it looks in terms of the micro budget that they're working with. This actually looks really great in a lot of spots. Mm -hmm. And then there's other spots where you can tell that they, they have some limitations, but I, I never thought that it looked um like amateurish or yeah like a yeah. Home, like a I, you know family project like let's yeah let's make let's make a movie together as a family like we're stuck inside because this was shot during covid too this was shot during lockdown so that i think introduces challenges in and of itself as well uh well let's just say they have a great location in order to shoot this during the pandemic because <laughs> yeah. this location is fucking insane it's yeah. so gorgeous and they do a great job of shooting it too like there is some great uh, uh like landscape photography in here it's just i mean it's just an incredible location i'm i'm realizing very recently that any movies that take place place in like lush thick green forests and especially oh, yeah. have like little like cabins tucked away in the forest and stuff like that where it's like like a light drizzle in the forest and everything feels alive and like you have those great uh shots where it's like looking up through the the trees you know like i definitely have a soft spot for that i'm realizing because there's another movie that i'll mention in a little bit that does almost the exact same thing and that pretty much blew me away too as far as the visuals so yeah, I'm 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 pretty much hooked if you have a shot of a character kind of tucked in and completely surrounded by verdant giant ferns. Mm-hmm. Just that's an automatic star. That's just that's extra credit right yeah. there. Just wait till you, till you hear me talk about this other movie. You're going to lose your mind probably. <laughs> I with, look forward to it. With uh just a just to pause you real quick um I completely agree with you that I that I do I was surprised. Like I think I did read somewhere that maybe it was in the description of this in uh the Fantastic Fest like blurb. I think that I, I read that it was like a more ambitious title for them than The Deeper You Dig. So I was kind of expecting that. But the thing is, like The Deeper You Dig is really impressive too in what they were able to do with like special effects and stuff on basically no budget. And this movie, they really outdo themselves. I mean, this is like a very professional looking movie. And like, like you said, a lot of it is gorgeous and a lot of the special effects in this look really good. I mean, and not Mm -hmm. just like kind of the, there's like some kind of trippy, almost like psychedelic scenes in it. And those look fine too, but just a lot of the other sequences too, like just all of the different like rituals and spells and stuff. And then like when they, there's like some scenes where they like kill people and the way that that looks is awesome. I mean, just really impressive all around with the visuals and and the the special effects too. Like I I was very impressed. Yeah. There's, there's a number of things in here where you're like, Oh, okay. This is like legit. Yeah. This is legit craftsmanship on a very small budget. Yeah. One thing that I'll I'll say, I do have some criticisms with this. I think that this family I think that they're very clearly non-professional actors. Like I so they were also in The Deeper You Dig. At least Toby Poser and John Adams were. I can't remember who Adams was. I think she was. Yeah, she was in that too. She was the 
she was the missing daughter, I believe. In fact, I know she was. So I don't think that they're the best actors. I think that they have a little bit of work to like sort of hone their craft as far as dialogue and, and line delivery and stuff. They're fine. Like it's it's a it's passable, but it feels like that kind of low budget indie non professional actor type of movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I will I will give them the bonus that they do seem to talk to each other like normal human yeah, beings. Yeah, because they're an so actual nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. Indeed. Yeah. I mean the, the mother daughter dynamic here is really good. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's obviously it's believable, but the way that it's <laughs> the way that it's written is also it also feels natural. So so just the dialogue in and of itself feels natural. I love that they're in a little like mother daughter metal band, and apparently, from what I read, that like they wrote and performed those songs themselves, and so I think that that's that's really cool as well. Yeah, they they. They do it all. Yeah. And they I'm, do it all rather well. It's they're they're an incredibly talented bunch. I'll give them I'll give them that. And they do some like despite I think their acting abilities being a little bit lacking, they still do some pretty wild stuff in this movie, like some pretty gross stuff. Especially like every time the mom served dinner, I'm like, is that like is that actual food? Like is that edible? Like you're eating like pine cones and twigs and shit. <laughs> like, well, I think at one point they were eating like raspberry stalks. Yeah, which they were. That's yeah. You like the, those the, are prickly. It was that's like the, terrible. The, Don't do that. I think it was the one scene when she was like she she sort of um had a vision that she was like eating a finger and it oh, yeah, it was yeah. actually a raspberry stalk. <laughs> it's just like. I don't think either of those two things are, are like edible, a little really. <laughs> just a little two-inch stalk. Yeah. This is a raspberry plant. I liked the presentation, <laughs> like the plating. Yeah. I thought that, that it looked really great. It looked like something that you would see in like one of those like rustic, like fancy restaurants where they like cook it they, they cook everything by like burying it in the ground. You know, and then digging it up and serving it to you that way. And I just put like twigs and pine cones and shit on the side as like garnish. Yeah, that was the other thing. I think their one meal was a pine cone. It was. They, they... <laughs> I like the idea of just eating pine cones as a meal. What's wrong? You haven't touched your pine cone. Uh, at least season it. <laughs> Something. Put, uh, yeah, put some, put some Mrs. Dash on there, for God's sake. <laughs> Uh, yes, so I, I really enjoyed the the mother daughter dynamic here, and I think that also it does. I think that it, it's a, a movie that's well paced in that you you're you're learning more about her background and her abilities and all of that stuff as she's discovering them. And the other thing that's I think is great is like a lot of times you'll have a movie like this where it's like, Oh, it turns out she's a witch, but you don't really get to see like they're, they're a witch, but they're not like, you know, like a, a fantasy witch. You know what I mean? Like 
they might be able to like do some spells or something and maybe it'll affect somebody but these women are like legit like they have superpowers just straight up yeah and i i really liked that that they decided to make them like super powerful i think that that was a cool idea i love the fact and i think this is the thing that i like the most about this movie outside of the the effects looking as good as they do um is the fact that they might not have shown you all of it but you can tell that they have this like the history of this Mm -hmm. like the the generational history of of the witches what the witches can do the various uh recipes that they have in order to create spells and gain new powers like this is really well thought out yeah they have the whole thing figured out you can you can definitely tell that they know that they like mapped out the history the the family tree as it were like with with this because you do get that that intro that sort of sets the stage and then there's all these other like hints about like their lineage and stuff like that and and then of course what happens at the end too which i think was an interesting way to conclude the movie yeah which i also found really interesting in the terms of the the coming of age Mm -hmm. you know you have the, the teenage daughter mother dynamic but you know as fraught as that can be just in the regular world to throw in the fact that they're both witches at once learning of their power right and, 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 kind of and using it using it in a different way and like them trying to figure out like it's just good this is a good movie i really enjoy this i actually wanted more because it's so well thought out yeah i i think that well first of all you need to see the deeper you dig because i think you're really gonna like that one too but I oh, think yeah. I'm really excited to see what what the Adams family has coming next because uh, if they keep getting more, I mean, like I was gonna say, if they keep getting more ambitious, it's, it's just gonna get better and better. But the thing is, like this was like a this was like a perfect level of ambition for me as far as like the the level of special effects and stuff. Like it all looked so good, like really impressive. I mean, that was one of the things that impressed me the most about. Uh, Rob Savage's movies. He's the guy who did Host and this movie Dashcam that played um, Tiff. That's not out yet, but like he does the same thing where he's got these movies that are on like no budget, and yet he's somehow able to create these like really impressive looking special effects and things like that that just are that put it to the next level. So. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what what this uh, family has coming out next because they're they're pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely got to go back and watch the other one because I was completely surprised by this one. Yeah, yeah, I I, I liked it. I think I liked this one more than the deeper you dig, but I still really liked. And the thing is, like, they're cool ideas too. Like, mm-hmm. they're not just your normal, like, boring-ass retreads of horror tropes. Like, they introduce unique ideas, and I think that that's one of the things that's so refreshing about their movies. Like, The Deeper You Dig was a really interesting take on a on a possession movie. And, like, just when you think that you've seen it all but those, something like that comes out, and you're just like, okay, well, this is definitely different. So... Uh, yeah, I really like what 
what this family's doing. I like that they're working within the horror genre too. I think that that's really cool. So hopefully we'll see plenty more of uh, their stuff in the future. Uh, let's go ahead and give this a score. Uh, Scored up. Yeah, I'm at like a ah, man. I'm at like a seven, seven and a half on this one. I'm exactly right there with you. Same thing. Yeah, good, good stuff. Definitely recommend checking it out. This is going to be streaming for the Nightstream Film Festival, which I believe starts October 8th. So if you go to nightstream.org, you can look at the schedule and see when this is screening. So you can uh, rent it and, and watch it online for Nightstream. And, and if I remember correctly, the, the tickets are like really inexpensive for Nightstream. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's basically like a collective of festivals. So like, like the Boston underground film festival, Brooklyn horror film festival, North Bend film fest and the overlook film festival. They basically combine forces and put on this online film festival. It'll be October 7th through the 13th. And I believe that all the proceeds are going to go to the filmmakers who have movies in, in the, festival and they're also going to be donating a portion of the money to i believe charity so yeah check that out i had a lot of fun at last year's last year's was a really good line and just looking at this year's lineup it looks very good too so hellbender check it out all right let's talk about something watching uh i as i mentioned at the top of the show i am covering fantastic fest right now so i've been cranking out a lot of really cool fantastic fest stuff right after the in-person event there is a fantastic fest at home festival which has a completely separate slate there's some carryover there but there's a whole different slate of uh films that are going to be on on that and then on top of that we have Nightstream and Grimfest coming up next week as well so lots of horror movies to cover. Uh, I already saw a lot. You can go to the site filmpulse.net and see my reviews that are up there currently. So for this episode, I'm just going to mention a couple of the highlights that I've seen so far. Uh, The first one being the execution. This is uh, directed by Lado Kvatanya. This is a about a serial killer loosely based on a true story of who of this guy who turned out to be one of Russia's most prolific serial killers. He murdered 54 confirmed people, uh, but there could be more than that. Basically what the film is about is a, an inspector who is tasked with bringing this this person to justice and it's a case that goes on for over a decade and they can't they just they get false leads they at one point arrest the wrong person and throw the wrong person in jail like they convict him and everything and then they discover that this person's actually innocent and then the movie picks up in 1991 when this inspector is interrogating this other man who he believes is the real killer. And 
it's awesome. Like this movie, it, it reminds me a lot of Memories of Murder. It's got that same kind of aesthetic that it's it's very dreary. It's rainy. Uh, everything is like hyper real looking. Um, and it takes place. So it jumps back and forth between the beginning of the case versus the present, which is 1991. So it'll jump back to like 1986 and it'll go to 1979, and then it'll go to 91, and it's sort of, it's told in this non-linear way, but the way in which it's told is really awesome because it keeps certain truths hidden from you, so that it, it sort of, because it's told in a non-linear way, when the big twists and reveals and all of that do happen, it's like, it packs a much bigger punch. And where it goes the different turns that it takes, it's pretty awesome. Uh, and I definitely recommend it again. This is called the execution. Hopefully this will be coming out at some point this year, but this is a fantastic fest at home title. So you will be able to screen it online and Kevin, you'll, you'll definitely like this one. Nice. I look forward to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw the Netflix horror movie, No One Gets Out Alive. How is this? I was wondering about this. Uh, This is, I was surprised by this. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, It's it's fairly standard for the most part. Um, It's just an immigrant. This young woman comes to America, Cleveland, specifically. And, you know, she's trying to get, she has a job and she's trying to get, save up enough money to get papers so she can get like an actual job. So in order to kind of, you know, save some money, she ends up taking a room at this like boarding house. It seems off. There's only like one other person living there and it's this big house and everything. And of course it's got, you know, it's, it's haunted. There's stuff going on. So you have what is kind of fairly straightforward stuff where it's just her in this boarding house with one other tenant uh the guys in charge of the house are also there and they seem a little bit off too and you just have you know ghosts and whatnot right you've seen it before but the thing that i i enjoyed is the turn that it takes at the end when it's kind of revealed as to what's happening in this house uh it becomes something completely different something that I didn't really expect it to be so that it got bonus points for me in that it was surprising. It surprised me, which doesn't really happen too often with horror movies, especially a Netflix horror movie. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. I think that this is also one of those instances that I enjoy in the sense that you can plug in to the metaphor that's here. Cause it's, you know, an immigration horror movie. So you can plug into the, the, metaphor and enjoy it and get you know a deeper meaning out of it or you can just turn that off completely and just go into it as a you know entertainment film and it works that way too cool i'll have to try to add this to my growing list of uh, halloween october watches to to try to get through i'll be interested to see what you think of this yeah uh, again, that's No One Gets Out Alive, and that is on Netflix. Uh, the next one I saw at Fantastic Fest was VHS 94. This is, uh, if you're not familiar, it's an anthology series. This is the fourth one in the series. 
It's been a while. It's been like, I want to say six years since the last one came out. And the last one was, was bad. Like that was, I looked back at my review for this, for that, the last one VHS viral. And I gave it half a star. <laughs> I really hated Ooh. it. I remember really not liking it. Uh, thankfully this one is way better. I mean, by better, this is the best VHS entry in, in the whole series. Like this is the best one. The other VHS movies, like I thought that they were fine and there'd be like one standout segment and then the rest of them would be blah or, or there'd be one that was just really shit with this one. They're all very solid. I don't think there that there's any one that tops the, uh, the Timo Gareth Evans one from VHS two, mm. the one with the cult. If you remember that one, yeah. um, I don't think there's anything here that tops that, but there are some that get very close, uh, particularly Ryan Prowse's segment, which is called terror. That one is very interesting. It's, it's sort of a vampire story, but it throws in this like right wing, like militia group in there. And I really liked what they did with that one. Uh, most of the segments are actually shot on VHS in this, in this one. So okay. it has this like really grimy, gritty, like low definition look to it. And it pretty, that pretty much works in its favor. Uh, Timo comes back to direct one of the segments of this one, which is sort of a, uh, sort of like a, like a, um, Tetsuo the Iron Man slash Machine Girl take where it's, it's about like most of the segment is, a POV of this young woman who was kidnapped by this mad scientist, basically who does these experiments and turns people into like half, half human, half machine. So there's sort of that element. Uh, there's some really cool visuals in his, but again, I thought that Ryan Prowse's was, was better. Uh, Chloe Akuno does a segment. Hers is good too. It's about, uh, it, it's a local, like a local news team who is reporting on this sightings of this, uh, this rat man character, this, this humanoid creature who they believe lives in the sewers. And, and that goes to some really crazy bonkers places. And Simon Barrett directs one. Uh, Simon Barrett's I thought was probably the weakest. It was fine, but there just wasn't much to it and then there's a, a wraparound story uh that's directed by jennifer reader and that is quite good too it sort of ties together all of the different segments so i would say that as far as the visuals and things like that that this one is definitely more cohesive like everything is sort of tied together in a better way and i really liked jennifer reader's uh, the segments that she did like that were in between the, the different tapes. Basically the, the, the plot is that it's a SWAT team. They're doing uh, what they believe to be some sort of contraband bust in this like warehouse. And when they bust in, they find that it's like basically this like crazy VHS cult and remember, this takes place in 1994, so this is back when, you know, tape trading was all the rage. So you have this cult of, like, VHS fanatics that try to disseminate this, like, 
these crazy, you know, supernatural tapes. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend VHS 94. This will be on shutter this, this Friday. So you can check it out on there. I watched another, uh, pandemic shot film and that's Ben Wheatley's in the earth, which Mm. is currently playing on Hulu on Hulu. Uh, this has a, you know, it has the 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 plot line that I thoroughly enjoy, and I'm really into currently and over the last couple of years, which is a there's a a, a doctor who, along with his uh, like park guide, go out into the woods. They're trying to get to a, a certain area, this little research area, because they're investigating the like the the fungal like map underground of this little you know this large forest and it the you know the the fungus brain or whatever it, it takes up so much space and you know they're they're looking into it and of course this is happening in the middle of a pandemic so they have to take all these precautions and everything so you have an absolutely gorgeous location this huge massive forest uh you have some grizzly horror because it is ben wheatley just disgusting stuff going on. A lot of stuff with feet. Mm. Feet getting fucked up big time. Just a lot of flapping skin. Mm. Yep. Uh, so, of course, the, what there's, there's a, a researcher who kind of loses it and figures that she can communicate with nature, or she's trying to, and trying to communicate with this, this large fungal brain, right? And her ex-husband is also out there, and he has a, a different way of going about it, which is uh, essentially worshiping nature and kind of trying to communicate with it that way. She's taking the science approach; he's taking the more, the, you know, the different approach there. And uh, and they end up like kind of getting trapped, and the you know the fungus does communicate with them. All very interesting, uh, and you know, for a movie shot in the pandemic, it looks pretty good. But the the main issue that I have with this is a lot of it, because there's a lot of psychedelics going on, as you can imagine, with the fungus. Mm-hmm. So Ben Wheatley d- goes into his experimental cinema bag, and uh, it's awful. Like, his, his quote-unquote experimental imagery is just horrid. Ugh. It is very amateurish. It looks like someone... It looks like the work of like an 18 year old that just discovered it. Like, oh, I'm going to do fractals. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's rough. You know, and you, of course, you have like the, the ink, the colored ink being dropped into water Ooh. and all that shit. And it's, it's ugly. It's ugly as hell. And it happens a lot. And uh, it just really, for me, it just kind of ruined it. Really, that's that's why I haven't seen this because I was afraid that that's what it was going to be. There'd be this hev- heavy reliance on the surreal, like trippy mushroom scenes, and I, I wasn't I, having it. I was, I will say that it doesn't take up a lot. I mean, it gets a little bit heavy towards the end, but man, it's just it's so bad looking. Mm, that's unfortunate. That sucks. All right, well, uh, that's in the earth. On Hulu, right? Hulu? 
All right. Well, keeping with the sort of Mother Nature themes here, uh, one movie that I saw at Fantastic Fest is called Glass House or Glass House. It's like all one word, Glass House. Mm-hmm. So what this is about, it's a post-apocalyptic thriller that takes place after a pandemic or actually during a pandemic. And <clears throat> excuse me. Basically, it's a toxin in the air that that gives you dementia. So if you breathe in the air outside, you begin to lose all of your memories. And if you continue to be exposed to it, you basically just become a like a nothing, just a husk. Like you can't do anything. Uh, But if you're exposed to it for just a little bit, you know, you might forget some things but remember most things so there's different degrees based on how long you've been exposed to it but and as far as we know the entire world is like just being ravaged by this 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 horrific airborne toxin but in the woods like tucked away there's a house that's made of glass and in it is a family you have an, an older mother, two daughters, and a son. Or sorry, three daughters and a son. And the house that they're in is airtight, so it's completely sealed off. So they're safe from the toxin. And it starts off with us just learning about their day-to-day life. Because the house is completely sealed... They have to raise plants. So basically, it, it, they basically the whole house is like a giant greenhouse. So there's just plants everywhere. And they have to be constantly regulating it and, and making sure that the plants are fed and that they're healthy because that's their air supply. That's what's feeding them the fresh air. And uh, a, a man, a mysterious stranger, appears on their property and they end up he's injured and they end up inviting him in and it causes a lot of problems. There's some interesting twists and turns that, that I won't like even begin to touch on here, but the world building is absolutely incredible. Uh, this is written and directed by Kelsey Egan, by the way, incredible world building, like just awesome. The production design, incredible. Like the, the suits that they wear have like, everything has this kind of like Victorian vibe to it. So it it doesn't really it doesn't distinguish like when this takes place. We don't really know. There's like modern looking gas masks, but then there's like a lot of things look very very old. Like if I had to guess, I would say maybe like uh, early 1900s or some somewhere around there, like World War One era. But but I mean, really, who knows? It could be any time. So awesome world building, awesome production design. Like the the costuming, all of that is really great. Um, Where it goes in its final act, I think, is really hit or miss. A lot of I think a lot of people might have trouble just reconciling the way that this movie ends, but I thought it was was pretty solid. So I would recommend keeping an eye out for uh, Glass House, and I think that you're really gonna like it because. It's just loaded with lush greenery, flowers, and plants everywhere. Love it. Uh, I saw the Netflix horror movie. I guess it's a horror movie. I guess it's more of a thriller. Intrusion. The Frida Pinto 
vehicle mm, mm. I didn't that came out this year. Uh, don't. There's no need to. Yeah, it didn't look good. Uh, no, it's not good. Uh, I mean, it has. They they kind of flipped the whole home invasion aspect of the movie. Where yes, there is a home invasion, but more so the home invasion just gets Frida Pinto character to start to question, like, why were they invading her house? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's going on here? It's not really the home invasion. That's there's not a whole lot of tension there, which is the the thing that really sucks about this movie is that it's just it's really bland there's really no there's not a whole lot of tension like the execution of it is just just absolutely meh like there's just not a whole lot going on like the story is like slightly interesting you know uh and some of the the twists that it takes are you know marginally surprising Mm. i guess maybe but everything is just humdrum you know and it's just uh just overall just no okay well yeah it didn't look very good to me um to be honest that's intrusion that's on netflix and the next one i saw is called name above title i believe this is gonna be i know that this is a night stream i'm pretty sure so you'll be able to check this one out this is a a portuguese thriller the kind of interesting hook with this one is that there's no dialogue so it's a completely dialogue free feature film now it is only 59 minutes so it's it's in and out it's in it's in and out uh it has a really strong opening which is a three or four minute single take shot of this woman at a at a party it's like a rooftop party and she ends up committing suicide during this party so really strong opening and then it immediately cuts to this serial killer who is like claiming his next victim and it's all shot i mean this movie's gorgeous it is a shot in a giallo style so it very very much is influenced by 70s giallo it is it does take place now so it is a modern movie, but it's shot on film. It's in a four by three aspect ratio, like everything about it, the way that people dress and stuff feels vintage. And then in the music, it's also got this like kind of goblin esque, like synth soundtrack. So very, very much giallo infused. Basically what happens is right after the serial killer, uh, kills his next victim. He happens to be walking down the street where the young woman lands who kills herself. She jumps off the roof. And when she lands, he walks over to her and sort of embraces her. And she whispers something in his ear. And then he kisses her. And this is all caught on camera. You know, everybody's like got their phones out and they're and they're recording it. And the video goes viral. Like people just trying to figure out like who is this guy? Like, what does she whisper? Like, what was that kiss all about? And, and all of this stuff. And he sort of becomes famous and it's, it progresses from there. I like the premise. I like how it starts. It has a really strong, like first act, but where it goes, I just didn't, I just really wasn't into it. And the final act 
introduces this like sort of I don't know if I want to spoil too much, but there's a, a little bit of an allegory that it it proposes at the end that absolutely did not work for me at all. And so mm-hmm. unfortunately I don't think it sticks the landing, but everything else about this is like basically firing on all cylinders. Like it looks amazing. The the score is awesome. I like like the the dialogue free aspect of it, the no dialogue actually I think was really cool the way that they did it. Um but yeah unfortunately just uh didn't didn't like that ending. Didn't didn't quite stick the landing for me. Mm-hmm. But again, that's called name above title. The only other thing I'm going to mention is Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Philip Kaufman. Oh, okay. Finally, finally watched this. The 78 so I finally version. watched the 78 version. You got crazy cast here. Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Leonard Nimoy, Veronica Cartwright in there. Um, so this is this is really this is really really good, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just great stuff. And the thing that I like most about this is a lot of it is just like Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Jeff Goldblum, and Veronica Cartwright running around San Francisco, like in the night. It's just them like running from things as more and more people are being replaced. You know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Philip Kaufman was able to make that like extremely visually interesting and captivating with playing with scope and with playing with shadows and just so many different angles going on here. I mean, you got camera angles of, of, I mean, just every which way you got slanted like 45 degrees you got like a complete sideways view. You got all sorts of stuff going on. And it's just, it's like that throughout, you know, just like people popping their heads through doorways. And it's like, okay, let's just make this visually interesting, you know? And it's just that that kept me captivated throughout. And then on top of that, you have a great story and a great cast. Like, I mean, what more do you want? And now I finally understand that picture I always see of Donald Sutherland pointing with his <laughs> yeah. mouth open. <laughs> yeah. Like, that makes sense to me now. The classic Sutherland meme. <laughs> Which is a weird place to be now as a movie watcher. Like, as soon as that, like, as soon as that scene was set up and he's, like, walking and I kind of, like, noticed the background and what he was wearing, I was like, oh, shit, this is the, this is the infamous Twitter thing that I always see. It's coming. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay, I... Just have a couple brief ones that I can mention here. One is the Timekeepers of Eternity. Now, I didn't really know anything about this going into it. Like, I knew nothing. Like, all all I knew is I, I read a brief synopsis, and then I start watching it, and it's it's this black and white movie, and it looks really interesting. And I'm like, man, how did they do this? This looks really interesting. Like the the style. It's like black and white, but it's got this kind of grainy look. And then I start noticing the actors and I'm like, wait a minute, like this movie, either these people haven't aged at all, or this is like an older movie. And it turned out that the timekeepers of eternity, like I realized this after like 10 minutes, but it is a, an experimental like re-edit of uh, the movie, the Langoliers. 
which was the, a TV movie from, I believe, like 95. Great cast, by the way, in that. And the way that it is presented, the, the director, he, he's a, a Greek director. His name is um, Aristeltis uh, Maragos. Maragos. He printed out every single frame of the movie, the Langoliers, on a printer black and white, like a laser jet, HP laser jet printer or something. And he put it back together. He re-edited the movie using these printed sheets of paper. And it is freaking awesome. Like, it is so good. Uh, he'll, the what he does is he'll use like folds and tears and like overlaps and stuff like that to accentuate whatever's happening on screen. So if like somebody's yelling, for instance, the paper will get like rumpled, like it'll like crump get all crumpled right around the person's mouth to indicate that like to accentuate that they're like yelling. Or mm-hmm. basically the re-edit of this movie focuses on Bronson Pinchot's character as he goes gradually more insane. If you're not familiar with the plot of this movie, it's about a a flight uh where the passengers discover that almost everybody on the flight has just vanished. And luckily there is uh, one of the people who, who survived, who, who remained and he was a pilot. So he was able to land the plane, but when they land, they go into the airport and everybody in the airport is gone too. And it's just them left. And they, it's, they, they need to figure out what happened. And all the while they hear what it, what sounds like a monster or like a, a group of monsters making their way closer to where they're at. So they need to like figure out what's going on before these creatures get to them. And the re-edit of this really focuses on Bronson Pinchot as this like douchey businessman as he slowly loses his mind. And it is it's so fascinating. Uh I, it's you know it's an experimental film, so it's not something that I think is going to work for everybody. But I thought that it was incredibly unique, and I highly recommend it. It it's only sixty four minutes, so if if you remember this being a Stephen King adaptation in a TV movie, the original one was three hours long. So he distills everything down to sixty minutes, and I mean it's it's something else. So highly recommend the Timekeepers of Eternity. Uh, I think that you'll also appreciate this one, Kevin, just, just for the oh. uniqueness of it. Oh, I'm so on board. It looks like when, when I first started watching it, I'm like, man, it looks like this is an FMV game from the nineties. That's what it looks like. You remember like FMV games were like super compressed and they looked so bad and like grainy. Like that's sort of what this whole movie looks like. It looks like a cutscene of a nineties FMV game. And I am all, I'm 100% in it. The last one I'll mention is uh, one called Samuel's Travels. This is a Latvian film that is something of a dark comedy fairy tale about this guy who I believe he's supposed to be from America. And he goes to Latvia in search of his father. Uh, I'm sorry. He's, he's Belgian. I just saw that in the synopsis. I don't know if they even say that in the movie, but anyway, um, 
he is searching for his father who he's never met and he ends up in this like little village and he, he uh, ends up hitting a pig with his car. Now the pig doesn't die. The pig survives. He puts the pig in his back seat and then he happens upon this, this woman in the forest and he's like, okay, well, if this is, this is your pig, I'll, I'll give you guys a ride home. Um, sorry for hitting your pig with my car. <laughs> so he takes the, the woman and the pig back to their farm and she gives him a drink and it turns out that he, she drugged him and he wakes up and he's chained in the barn and it, it turns out that this family decides that they want to ha- basically keep him as a slave to take care of their pigs. And so the whole movie is him just chained up in this farm, t- learning to take care of pigs. And he forms this like weird, not weird, but this bond with these pigs. And they like start to sort of communicate with him and like follow him around. And he becomes like the leader of these pigs. It's a very bizarre movie. It doesn't always work, but overall, I think that there's something undeniably charming about it, even though it is often slightly grotesque in like what happens. So it's, it's definitely unique though. So that, that's why I mention it. It's not something that you're likely going to have felt like you've seen before. So I, I think I would give it a recommendation again it's called samuel's travels and it's a weird one yeah sounds like it but it's funny like it's it's funny weird but funny that kind of like slightly absurdist i think you would like it I'll definitely check that out yeah i think you'd like I could, it. i just read about him and i think like his his last or his last feature film or something and i was like oh this looks pretty interesting i said that was the last one but i just have to mention this other one I know I'll make it quick I promise it's called The Sadness this is directed by Robert Jabaz this is a Taiwanese film sort of a zombie movie but not really if you've read the comic book Crossed it's pretty much an adaptation adaptation of Crossed if you're not familiar what that is about is this this disease that is infects people and makes them basically just act on their most like sadistic carnal desires. And that's what the sadness is. So it takes place like after a pandemic, which they don't say, I mean, it's very clearly COVID. They don't say it in the movie, but it is a hundred percent clearly COVID. And what happens is you have like, anti-vaxxers and stuff like that anti-maskers and people who are you know rallying against the vaccine and all this stuff and then what happens is the it mutates the the virus mutates and what it causes people to do who get infected is basically go nuts and only act on their carnal desires so they're just like murdering people sexually assaulting people and it's horrific and you have an idea again if you've read the the comic book crossed you have an idea of of just how depraved people can be at least in these fictional worlds hopefully not the real world but you know probably the real world uh and it is uh really 
crazy. It's probably one of the craziest movies you'll see all year. It is over the top, gory, batshit insane. Like they pulled no punches in this movie. It's pretty incredible. So if you're into like crazy, violent, gory movies, the sadness is one to check out. It is absolutely bonkers and I highly recommend it. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters. No Time to Die, 007. That's the biggie. Ooh, yeah. What do you think about this? Are you excited? No. Me neither. Me neither. A lot. Most people are really jazzed up about it. You know, Daniel Craig's final, uh, final role as Bond here. But, you know, I'm just not... I don't know, man. I'm just not a huge James Bond fan to begin with. So Same here. I've tried, like, I've tried so many times to get into this series, and I just can't, like, I don't know why. That's not to say I haven't liked a few of the entries, but it's just I'm not as big of a nut as a lot of people are. No, it just, it doesn't hook me. Yeah, same. And I forget, like, I find them to be very forgettable. Like, I'll just forget what happens in them, like, (laughs) right after I see it. Either way, I'm not going to see this in the theater. I'll, I'll... I'll wait till it's on VOD and check it out then. We also have Lamb. This is going to be a limited release, I believe. And okay. this is the Icelandic thriller with uh, Numi Rapace, the horror movie, Full Car A24. Oh boy, watch out. Yeah, it's about a, I, I believe it's about a, a woman who gives birth to a like lamb child, like a half lamb, yeah. half human, maybe. Interesting. Either way, you know, it takes place in Iceland, so I'll check it out. That's pretty much it for theaters. On VOD this week, uh, we have, on the 5th, Val, which is a, I believe, a horror comedy from the looks of it. We got Spring Blossom. This looks like a coming-of-age story, perhaps. We have Saving Sloan. What is this? Oh, oh, it's another powerful coming-of-age tale. We have Pharma Bro. This is the one about Martin Screlly. Fuck that guy. Don't need to see a doc Mm -hmm. about him. No, no. I know all there. All I need to know about that asshole. The only the only thing I want to know is when that Wu Tang album is going to drop. I I feel like it would have already. You know, there was something about it. Like the the U.S. government has it now, or something. Oh, those fuckers. They're, they, uh, I, I just saw a headline recently about the album and like that he had to turn it over or something. So I don't know, maybe maybe we'll hear it. I, I do remember that he did a live stream one night and played part of a track. And, you know, it sounded cool. But anyway, on also on the fifth, we have Christmas Freak. It's a comedy about a guy who just is obsessed with Christmas. It looks pretty bad. We got the Amityville Moon. I'm assuming because Amityville is in the title, that's a horror movie. Uh, Please tell me they go to space. I don't think so. It says that that two people are trying to hold, they're trying to escape from a church that a church home that holds them captive. Yeah. Werewolf. And one of them is slaughtered by a vicious semi-human creature. Mm. So yeah, it looks like a werewolf. Thing. We got Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering Ghostbusters. That's a Ghostbusters doc about the original. 
Uh, we have The Mutation, which I can only assume is another horror movie. After a deadly experiment on a rat goes wrong, the mutated rat has been let loose in the city, and a group oh, of yeah. detectives are on the hunt for the beast. Wonderful. You know what would be a cool idea for a movie is the is like CryptoZoo, like that movie CryptoZoo, but just have it be live action, and just have it be like a group, like a team of cryptozoologists, and the whole premise, I mean, it could be a TV show too, actually. The whole premise is that they just hunt down different of these like, you know, cryptids, these mythical yeah. creatures and stuff. That'd be a really cool idea. I'd be a hundred I'd be a hundred percent on board. Yeah. Probably work really good as a TV show. Yes. Each week, you know, they're hunting down a different one and then there's like a through line X Files basically is what I'm describing at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on the 6th, we have VHS 94. That's going to be on Shudder. Uh, and then on the 8th, we have Operation Curveball. I think that's a... Is that a... It's a, it's a it tells the grotesque, at times even surreal, true story of how the Iraq War was started based on nothing but fake intelligence and the involvement of the German government. Uh-huh. All right, there, there you go. Silent Hours is coming out. Three women are brutally murdered in four nights. Private Detective John Duval, ex-lieutenant commander in naval intelligence, finds himself the prime suspect. Oh, that's not good. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't want to... That's a bad idea. Don't want to be involved in that. We got Survive the Game, which I believe... Oh, wait. Um, yeah, this is a... I think this is like a remake. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I'm pretty sure that there's a remake of Surviving the Game that's coming out, but I don't know if this is it. Either way, this is like a Bruce Willis action movie. It looks pretty bad. We got uh, The Manor. This is going to be on Amazon Prime. It's a malevolent force. Preys upon the residents of a sleepy nursing home. It's a gothic, gothic tale of terror with a modern twist. Not good. This, I believe this might be one of the, um, the Blumhouse movies. So on Amazon Prime, there's like all all through October, there's all these Blumhouse movies that are dropping. Like two of them dropped this past weekend, and then there's uh, more that are dropping this weekend. This I think that this is one of those. I haven't seen them yet. I heard I heard they're pretty good. Huh. American Insurrection. Fear is their weapon. Oh, no. Yeah. It's after a powerful militia seizes control of the U.S. A group of friends attempt to escape the escalating violence and oppression. Sounds like uh, freaking... What the hell is that movie that came out in, like, like 84? What was that movie called? Uh, I don't know. I think, like, was Josh Brolin in it? Sure. They re- and they remade it. Red Dawn. Red Dawn is what I'm thinking of. And then there was another one. It was like an Australian movie that had the, the exact same premise. Where it's like a bunch of y- young 20-somethings gotta save the world from an insurrection. Or but America, I thought Red Dawn was Russians. Yeah. Red Dawn. Yeah, but it's the same concept. Like in Red Dawn, Russia invaded the U.S. and took it over. In this movie, it's a powerful militia seizing control of the U.S. Yeah. We gotta fight your own people in this one. That's the twist. CFD changed it. We have Madres on Amazon Prime. We got South of Heaven with Jason Sudeikis, Evangeline Lilly, oh. Shea Wiggum. I'm interested in this one. It looks like a different uh, 
it, it looks like a different role for Sudeikis, and I'm I'm all for it. We'll have a review for this up on the site, by the way. Uh, the Secret of Sinchani. I think that's a thriller, maybe? No, horror. That's a horror one. We got Jacinta. That's on Hulu. I believe that that is a documentary. And we got Detention. That is the Thai, I believe, Thai horror movie that is based on the video game. The old video game, Detention. Huh. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all about this one. I'm going to be checking this out very soon. Perhaps even after we record this. Uh, we got The Gig Is Up. That's a documentary about like Uber and gig, the gig economy. We got Vengeance Is Mine. Looks like some kind of thriller, maybe. And that's about it for VOD. Blu-ray this week. It looks like the Halloween movies are coming out. There's a new release of those on 4K. It uh, looks like almost all of them. I don't know if, if all of them. It looks like one through five are coming out in 4K. I'm not seeing any of the other ones listed on here. American Psycho is coming out on 4K. Uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills is getting a collector's edition. That's from 2001. Night Shift from 1982 is coming out. The Time Machine from 2002. Hunt for Red October is getting a 4K release. (laughs) There's a Don Knotts collection coming out. Five films. Wow. Looks like this is a a straight to Walgreens type of uh, (laughs) release. (laughs) Let's see. The Victim from 1972. The Relic from 1997. Space Jam and New Legacy is coming out on 4K. Trick or Treats from 1982. That's uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? It's just important that you you singled out the Don Knotts collection. Mm-hmm. That way, everyone can Christmas shop for their grandmas. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, we got one, and that's Onibaba from 1964, the Japanese folktale nice getting uh uh, getting a a blu-ray update okay cool all right i think that's going to do it for this week thank you so much for listening you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse kevin and if you have a minute consider reviewing us on itunes that would be very much appreciated for kevin rakeshaw my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week 